You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching, so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Previously on Smoked. We see visible evidence of the federal commitment to the war on criminal drug smuggling in South Florida. This was the candy store. I mean, you want to see dope, Mr. Vice President? You want to see guns? We got plenty of them for you. <laughs> it will be quite a feather in Randy Lanier's cap. He finishes, and particularly if he is named Rookie of the Year. We sent a message out there that we've had enough of this. And I said, this ain't working, mate. There's more to life than just money. I'm thinking, boy, how could I be on the top of the world this high? When the bottom falls out, it's going to fall out, probably. Just west of the Kentucky border, and a few hours' drive from the company's warehouse in Warsaw, is the small town of Benton, Illinois. I mean, the closest, I guess, metropolitan area would be Carbondale, Illinois. SIU, Illinois uh, University was there. Jack Carey is a longtime defense attorney in the area. I came out of East St. Louis, opened my law office in Belleville. It was because of this case that I was the first lawyer on my block to get a fax machine. But if this was, an, uh, if this was one of the requirements, they said, now, Jack, if we want to put you here as local counsel, you're going to need a fax machine. <laughs> okay, I've got one. And <laughs> thanks to Randy Lanier, I guess. <laughs> Today, Benton is home to just a few thousand people. But in the late 80s, it became the unexpected setting for a high-stakes trial that involved fast cars, mountains of marijuana, and a coast-to-coast drug smuggling network worth millions. I'm a firm believer in what you call venue. You put the case where it happens. That's where the venue should be. I didn't understand, well, how in the world? I mean, this is 
Why in Benton? Not in South Florida, where the smuggling organization was born, and not in New Orleans or San Francisco or New York, where the group landed barges filled with marijuana from Colombia, but in a little Midwestern town. I am convinced to this day that the Justice Department had been embarrassed by this group of guys. The DEA had been embarrassed, and I think they sought out a venue where they knew they would have a hostile judge, a hostile jury, put them, if you will, in the middle of nowhere. From the Colombian mountains to the French countryside, to the Indianapolis record books, Randy's double lives had taken him around the world and into the middle of nowhere. I sort of knew the assistant U.S. attorney prosecuting the case. He's a very qualified man. His name is Michael Carr. Randy Lightning Lanier was becoming famous, or famous enough to make an example of. I said, Mike, you know, how deep do you want to bury this man? I said, we'll need a plumber to pipe him sunlight. Soon, he would be infamous. For me, it was depressing. I didn't want to witness the crucifixion because I knew where it was going. From the Miami Herald and McClatchy Studios, this is Smoked. I'm Amy Driscoll. I'm Alex Harris, and this is part four. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. 
After his stunning Rookie of the Year triumph at the Indy 500 in that 86 season, Randy racked up three more top 10 finishes. When I used to go to racetrack, I didn't focus on trying to set a track record. I focused on doing the best that I could do at the time. That August, he pushed even harder. In a qualifying run at the Michigan International Speedway, he broke his personal record. The fastest I've ever went was at Michigan 500. At Michigan International Speedway. We ran uh, at 222 miles an hour. Eight cars in this starting field are over last year's record. One of them, Randy Lightning Lanier. The race was broadcast live on NBC with a celebrity voice on pit row. Olympic gold medalist Caitlyn Jenner, referred to at the time by her former name. Here's Bruce. It's surprising that Randy Lanier is doing so well, especially in the 500-mile races, because he comes from a road racing background. The race was marred by repeated crashes. And on the 100th lap that afternoon... Bobby Rahal, the leader of the race. At 214 miles an hour, Randy's high-speed life would change forever. You were living flat out, really hard, you know, with this incredible lifestyle. I had my foot on the throttle. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Full tilt and go. And then from there you... <laughs> Drove it right into the wall. Yep. Mm. A crash, a crash. Randy Lanier against the wall really smacked it. He's conscious, he's moving in the car, but heavy damage to the right side. Mario Andretti had crashed, and I picked up some debris from his crash, and I cut a tire. That car is beat up on every end. Really a bad wreck. I hit the wall coming into turn three and slid down the track into the infield. Randy Lanier is still in the car. The rescue crews are there, and that car is totally destroyed. I knew I was hurt. Absolutely. I had a compound fracture to the right femur bone. The condition of Lanier is still in doubt. Let's go to Bruce. They have the helicopter all warmed up. It's taken Randy Lanier out to the hospital. The impact shattered Randy's right leg, but not his racing ambitions. He told us that at the time, he thought the months of rehab would be the only obstacle to getting back on the track. It was a very tough day for everyone at the Michigan 500. Yet the Michigan 500 turned out to be Randy's final major race for other reasons. I was planning on going back, but then I got indicted. Good evening. Usually I talk with you from my office in the west wing of the White House, but tonight there's something special to talk about, and I've asked someone very special to join me. By the late 80s, President Ronald Reagan had intensified his war on drugs. The president signed into law the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, creating mandatory minimum sentences for certain drug offenses. Okay, last time. This is drugs. Around the same time, the Partnership for a Drug-Free America launched an iconic ad campaign with a fried egg. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And in a White House address that became a cultural touchstone, First Lady Nancy Reagan talked about creating a drug-free America. So to my young friends out there, say yes to your life. And when it comes to drugs and alcohol, just say no. South Florida was ground zero for the enforcement effort. And in the fight between agents and smugglers, there wasn't much room for sympathy. There is no such thing, I think, as nonviolent drug crime for drug dealers. If you're driving a ton of pot into Miami, you're not just a driver. Tom Raffanello is the DEA agent from that South Florida task force. He wasn't directly involved in Randy's case, but he represents a viewpoint shared by many in law enforcement then and some now. The damage done by the drug trade is something he thinks shouldn't be forgiven 
just because a few decades have gone by. On the other end, there's going to be collateral damage. People are going to get shot. Families are going to get destroyed. You're a co-conspirator to that devastation, and you should pay for it. You're not a hero. You're not a groundbreaker. You shouldn't be given lectures. You caused the death and the destruction of a lot of families, and that is what you should be wearing around your neck. The national crackdown on drugs had agents hunting traffickers all over the country. And in 1986, a low-level dealer in Illinois gave them a lead they had to follow. Randy and the other members of the company didn't know it yet, but agents had just pulled the first thread that would eventually unravel their entire organization. Someone in Illinois who then backed down to a guy in Louisiana who then backed down to us. That's Charles, who had a front-row seat to the unfolding drama. He said the organization knew South Florida law enforcement was investigating them. But that low-level dealer was from Illinois, and authorities there wanted control of the case. And they actually went to Washington, D.C. and fought over our case. And Illinois made the case that we have more time, we will commit the resources to investigate this to the very last seed. Southern District of Florida is not able to, they're too overwhelmed, they can't do the job. And so they got it. From there... Investigators found a mid-level dealer in New Orleans and flipped him, too. He had a shipment of weed. It wasn't Randy's, but he gave up all his sources to the cops, including the company. And then they went up the chain that way, and then the chain our way. <laughs> Look, <laughs> well, they had Ben sitting there at uh, Apache Powerboat Marina. <laughs> Small little $30 million operation there in Miami. That Ben is Ben Kramer, Randy's smuggling partner and high school friend. And they had Randy racing Indy. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think Ray Charles could have seen this and said, uh, um, hmm, something's going on here. So that's what they had, you know. They didn't really have a lot of financial records. They really didn't. We were pretty good about it. But the government has ways of persuading people to talk. And Randy's organization had plenty of people who would make a deal. They found ways to give them enticements to get lesser prison sentences. If you cooperate, you can walk out the door. If you don't, you'll get a substantial amount of prison time. And the people that got caught doing something else, nothing concerning me, gave up all of their suppliers. Randy's case was investigated by the FBI, the DEA, and the DCI, the Illinois State Police Division of Criminal Investigation. We tried to interview several of the investigators, they wouldn't talk to us for the podcast, although one did agree to tell us about the case as long as we protected his identity. He confirmed that the investigation that started in Illinois led to a truck driver from North Carolina and then to the New Orleans dealer. According to court documents, investigators first became aware of the company's shipments of pot back in April of 1986, the same month the two Whittington brothers were arrested. Randy had another problem. As law enforcement climbed the rungs of the company's org chart, the money trail led to one man who could tear down the entire enterprise. Randy's friend since high school, Charles Podesta. They nabbed him committing a low-level crime. Yes, what happened, it was very stupid on my part, but you know, you get to that point where you feel you're invincible. You've been so lucky for so long, you feel you pretty much can do anything you want and get away with it. So few of our people in our group went ahead and got fake birth certificates and got driver's licenses, okay? And so they got me one. So I go in to get the driver's license and it didn't work. And so I was arrested. 
Officers arrested Charles trying to pick up an ID under the name Anthony Fazio, and they caught him with the notebook Charles used to catalog the company's transactions. I was on my way to do some other errands, and I had a briefcase in the trunk of the car. And in it had about, I don't know, didn't have much money, about 20, 30,000, and a small little notebook that was really kind of coded. It really wasn't clear what it was. And it was on the last load that we had done. I was still in the process of collecting money. In fact, when this all came down, I had a, a stash house where I was holding on to about six, seven million dollars in cash. And <laughs> so I had a couple problems on my hand. <laughs> and by January 1987, federal prosecutors in Southern Illinois had indicted Randy, Ben Kramer, and the other top members of the company as drug kingpins. And it just was a domino effect. And it eventually dominoed right to me. While investigators in Illinois were hot on Randy's trail, South Florida prosecutors had their own plans for the big-name race car driver. They indicted Randy on a whole other set of drug charges. That case landed him on the radar of a Florida prosecutor named Lothar Genghi. Uh, in the uh, mid-'80s, I was in charge of the Organized Crime Strike Force in Fort Lauderdale. We were working with, of course, a number of DEA agents, IRS agents, and so forth. Genghi's work in Florida had nothing in common with the Illinois investigation, until he got a phone call from a British investigator. I received a call from a New Scotland Yard, and uh, this was like in February. It said, we have developed this interesting case that really, you know, sent us in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and we'd like to come down to Florida to discuss it. And it turns out that New Scotland Yard detectives had stopped or arrested a fugitive of ours in one of the other drug cases. That transatlantic drug ring was charged with smuggling 100,000 pounds of pot into the U.S., a fraction of Randy's company. But the cash from those deals went through front companies in the British Virgin Islands and the Isle of Man. Now, Scotland Yard comes down here to tell us about this, and we decide to have a basically a joint investigation with the New Scotland Yard detectives. And it, uh, basically, uh, Randy Lanier received some of the marijuana shipments Genge got to Randy before the task force in Illinois, but not by much. We had two branches that were investigating me, and the DEA got an indictment out of Miami, which was separate from the FBI in Illinois. So a lot of indictments with different charges and different smuggling operations. As I recall, he surrendered himself. But like I said, in our case... Uh, he was not a principal of the particular drug organization, and he also was not involved in the international money laundering. So he was let out on bond. And that's when the Illinois indictment landed. Investigators there were ready to drop the net over a man they said was the head of the biggest marijuana smuggling ring they'd ever seen. I was at the Charter Club apartment in Miami, I had a place there. His fall began with a broadcast blaring from a TV screen above a deli counter. And I go down to the deli to get some bagels and cream cheese and stuff. And behind the counter was a TV. And it was live at my front gates of my house in Davie. I was going, boy, 
he looked up from his order to see law enforcement agents swarming the gates of his home on live TV. It was channel whatever, local six at my house, at my front gates. And what'd you do when you saw that? I went back up to my apartment, packed my bags and left the state. Actually, I didn't leave the state. I went Central Florida to a, what we call a stash house. And I stayed in the stash house until I organized a, a way out. Did you tell your wife where you were going, or was that no, too dangerous? absolutely not. No. His wife had just given birth to their son. Yeah, yeah, he was just born, yeah. I, had you seen him yet? Yeah, yeah, she had had little complications. I think he was seven days old at that moment. Yeah, I'd been there a couple of times holding him and looking at him. When the feds closed in, Randy took off, fleeing an indictment with much stiffer charges than he'd ever thought possible. In legalese, Randy and the five others were charged by prosecutors in Illinois with being principal administrators of a continuing criminal enterprise, distributing more than 1,000 pounds of marijuana, and defrauding the IRS. In other words, they said Randy was a drug kingpin. When I got indicted, I found out through my lawyers that I'm looking at up to life. And when they handed the new indictment to my attorney, the statement from the U.S. attorney was, well, maybe he'll cooperate now. And I chose at the time to not do that. From the stash house in Central Florida, Randy flew to more distant shores. Switzerland, Italy, France. Were you able to enjoy yourself at all at that time, or were you just... Yeah, I was enjoying myself. I was just taking care of business, too. So you were still working? Just moving money. In fact, despite investigators closing in on the company, Randy's team had brought in one last barge load just before Thanksgiving 86. 137,000 pounds, according to court documents, at the sand and gravel yard in San Francisco. The millions from that shipment alone could have set Randy up for life on the lam. Anybody that's involved in something illegal you take steps to try to avoid getting caught, so sure you worry. If you didn't, you wouldn't be taking such evasive steps from different IDs and passports and stuff like that. How many different passports did you have? Several. But his run lasted only nine months and ended on a balmy afternoon off the Caribbean coast of Antigua, well east of Puerto Rico. I was anchored on a leeward side of an island called Barbuda and getting ready to go get some lobsters and some conch for my lunch. He was aboard that 60-foot fishing boat he'd bought after his first win in the 1984 Riverside Grand Prix. Randy, let me get you first. Kind of tense at the end, huh? Oh, the most exciting race was a six-hour race I've ever seen. And a little plane lands over on the grassy runway, and unbeknownst to me, it was FBI agents. Soon after that plane landed, a big naval vessel blocked Randy's return to shore. I tried to get away on a Zodiac across the bay, hopped out and ran down a dirt road, and a bunch of jeeps ended up capturing me. Local authorities caught the runaway race car driver barefoot. He was cuffed, and the kingpin was flown to Illinois to stand trial. The stakes were immediately clear. The government alleged Randy's company had imported more than 630,000 pounds of marijuana from 1982 through 86, and that Randy alone had made $68 million from it. At the time, it was the largest pot case ever prosecuted in the United States. Following President Reagan's Anti-Drug Abuse Act, that crime carried with it a mandatory life sentence. And by the summer of 1988, 
What stood between Randy and his freedom were a judge, a jury, and dozens of witnesses. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm late. I'm late. Very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot a team of high-profile defense attorneys joined the case, including Albert Krieger, the man who once defended mobster John Gotti. And there was a local guy. Okay, my name is Jack Carey. I'm an attorney at law in Belleville, Illinois, licensed in the state of Illinois, Colorado, Missouri, and I think I'm still licensed in the United States Supreme Court. Jack was a gearhead, as he put it. He'd first heard of his new client two years earlier, when Randy broke Michael Andretti's record in Indianapolis. And I said, damn, this Lanier guy. At the Indianapolis 500, it takes not only a skilled, skilled driver, but you've got to have state-of-the-art equipment. And obviously, Randy Lanier and his resources had that. So I first heard the name Randy Lanier at the Indy 500. There were four men at the defense table when the trial began. The two heads of the organization, Randy, the logistics guy, and Ben Kramer, the supply guy. Then there's Gene Fisher, another South Florida man who helped coordinate the barge, and another name you haven't heard yet, 
K.D. Bell Jr. He owned the sand and gravel yard in San Francisco. We spoke recently with Kay. He told us that testimony from one of the other figures in the case, William Palumbo, could have helped exonerate him. But the government wouldn't allow the testimony in his trial. Basically, there is a fellow who rented the dock from me. His name was uh, Palumbo. And he was one of the cooperating witnesses in the case who cooperated with the government. He had spoken about the other involvement of the other people and stuff and was a witness against the other defendants. But as it applied with me, Palumbo said that I was not aware of what was going on, which is true. Palumbo said he did not want to talk to us about the case. But Kay maintains that the testimony could have proved he didn't know what was on the barge coming into his dock. I wasn't told. I wasn't aware. And he didn't ask. Because you kind of knew something funny was up or what? Yeah, it seems suspicious to me. The government agreed with that part anyway. And there's one more name to know, even if he wasn't on trial that day. George Brock was in charge of the barge, like Gene Fisher. In fact, Charles said the secret compartments were his idea. Had anybody else come up with this idea before you no. guys? It actually wasn't an idea. It was uh, George Brock's. Yeah, the shipping. So it was a force of nature that had come together with everybody having a specialty. Brock, like Randy, went on the lamb after the indictment came down. He didn't face the charges until decades later, after a lengthy extradition process from Australia. Randy and his tribe was prosecuted under the RICO, R-I-C-O statute. Here's Kerry again. It was designed basically for the mafia, and our government has managed to bring in uh, weed merchants and uh, call girls and everything else under that RICO statute. The prosecution was led by Michael Carr, at the time, the assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Illinois. Today, he's the state attorney in neighboring Jackson County. He declined an interview for this podcast, but Carr still lists Randy's case on his resume as a high-profile prosecution. As far as the government was concerned, I think there were over 24 witnesses, DEA, FBI, drug analysis, things like that. I mean, you know, it, they just made it look like that if these guys didn't go away forever, the earth would collapse within itself. It was every day, five days a week for three months. It was tension, stress, something I'd wish no one had to go through. Now, don't misunderstand me. Randy's defense team and everybody else's defense team, they put on one hell of a defense, which if you listen to what is happening today, when reasonable minds are taking cannabis as they should, it's incidental. But nobody in the Southern District, least of all that federal judge or anybody from the DEA, wanted to hear it. That judge, James Foreman, died in 2012. Prosecutors knew at the trial they didn't have a barge full of pot to show the jury. Yeah, the operation didn't get pinched. I mean, it had already came in, got distributed, got sold, got collected. None of the merchandise ever got caught. I have a completely dry case. But after two years of investigating the company, they had flipped plenty of witnesses who would testify that Randy made money as a race car driver, but he made a living as a drug smuggler. To see your comrades uh, on the other side, some of them making up stories, not telling the truth, it was a trying time for me. And your wife and kids, were they in the courtroom too? My wife, but not... The children, I didn't want them there. According to the investigator who spoke anonymously, the most important witness in that trial was the man who conspicuously wasn't there at the defense table, Charles Podesta. 
two events made me finally cooperate. The birth of my son, who's now 30, and the other was that the other co-defendants finally said, look, we don't care what you're going to do, Chuck. We're going in. They already know everything. There's nothing they don't know. Stuck in a cell in southern Illinois, Charles saw only one way out. At that point, I said, I'm a deep For 11 days, Charles testified about everyone's roles in the organization. According to reports in the local southern Illinois newspaper, he told the jury he rented stash houses and reinforced their bedroom doors with steel to protect the drugs and cash inside. Charles explained his notations in the notebook he'd been arrested with, cataloging the company's transactions. I'm telling you what, it was the hardest thing I've had to do, the hardest thing I had to do ever to sit there and look at, especially Randy. Uh, But the alternative was uh, my son was born. What did I owe them and what did I owe my family? What did I owe my son? And I knew that where we were in this southern district of Illinois, there was no mercy, there was no hope. We had, our jurors were farmers. These hardworking people, 15, 20, $30,000, they may make a year. And they're listening to this. How can they even fathom it? Private jets, traveling around the world, tarmac transfers off the Concorde at Heathrow. <laughs> you know? Sitting there with Charles in that Miami cafe, it was clear how much the memory haunts him. And I'm even emotional now when I think about it. Um, Randy was a friend. He's still a friend. I had a deep admiration for him. I wanted his attorney to know why I did what I did, because the real bottom line was this. If I had done nothing, and I just said, nope, not going to talk to you guys, okay? Nothing would have changed. There was already enough people that knew every inch of every bit of it, and all I was going to do was get a lot more time and probably not see my son until he was, you know? So... These were very difficult decisions um, that today still affect me, you know. But we did what we did. It was against the law. Do I agree with the law? Absolutely not. But we did. Ultimately, it took the jury 30 hours of deliberation to agree with Charles. Jack Carey, Randy's local lawyer, left the courtroom even before the verdict was read. Did you ever think that there was a chance that he might be found not guilty? No, no, dear, there. Not in that jurisdiction. No. I, I mean, if the jury would have come back and found him not guilty, you know, I think that judge would have said, "Nope, oh, wait a minute. We need a new trial. Randy, Ben Kramer, and Gene Fisher were found guilty of being principal administrators of that massive criminal enterprise. Randy, Gene, Ben, and Kay Bell were also found guilty of conspiring to distribute marijuana. And Randy was found guilty of conspiring to commit tax fraud. At the age of 34, his life seemed all but over. I had a natural death sentence, a life with no parole, natural death. I was sentenced to the remaining balance of my natural life for weed, for weed that they've never found. At the sentencing, Prosecutor Michael Carr said, quote, You have before you, Judge, one of the richest men in the United States because of his dealings in drugs. It is now time for the court to send a message that this will not be tolerated. Randy argued a life sentence was cruel and unusual, and that a person shouldn't spend the rest of their life in prison for pot. But the judge was unmoved, even as Randy broke down in tears. Judge Foreman said, quote, 
You've caused a lot of heartache, and individually, you've ruined a lot of lives in this country. Look at what it's done to you. You know, I, I've gotten to know a couple of those guys, and especially Randy. He and I have a couple hours in his cell. We're talking this, we're talking that. We're not always talking case. Can you help my wife? Can you help my daughter? I'm doing what I can, Randy. You know, that type of thing. Here's Carrie again. I couldn't get anyone to have any empathy. He used to have a joke down here. He who gets on the bus first gets the best seat. If somebody wants to try to negotiate some type of leniency, you know, we'll listen. There was no listening. There was no empathy. There was no judicial discretion. Randy's distribution and tax fraud sentences were 40 years and five years, respectively, to be served concurrently with his life sentence. Ben and Jean received similar punishment. If you do one year in prison or 25 years, the difference is not so important as the fact of just being in prison. Gene died in July 2016, but in his later years, he co-hosted an online radio show protesting marijuana incarcerations called Voices of the Cannabis War. I think it's rather significant to think that you can get a life sentence such as I got and a bunch of people I know have got, and there was no victims. They specifically point that out. They say there are no victims. Kay Bell was sentenced to 25 years for his role in the company's smuggling. Charles Podesta was sentenced to 12 years in prison. I think we were persecuted, not prosecuted. I did break the law. There was a law in the books. I'm aware of the law in the books, so I needed to be punished. But there's a difference between the correct punishment and being persecuted. Randy and Ben were ordered to forfeit $60 million apiece. Gene was ordered to forfeit $30 million. The combined $150 million was, at the time, one of the largest forfeiture judgments in history. Mike Carr, the prosecutor, told the Associated Press that the organization was, quote, without question, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, for distributing marijuana in the country. We're trying to hit them where it hurts, in their pocketbooks. And on top of everything there in Illinois, Randy still faced the other indictment in Florida for that transatlantic pot ring. Yet he told us he never second-guessed not cooperating with the government. Were you thinking you were going to go to trial and beat it? No. I knew I couldn't beat it. Or lost his tenacity. So why, why did you turn down the plea deal and, and then... A no- I figured I could escape. Keep it real. I was maybe full of myself. I have confidence. Sometimes that maybe can be detrimental. I don't know. Many ways to the top of the mountain. Some is just more direct. I'm Amy Driscoll. I'm Alex Harris. This podcast is produced by Kara Tabor and Davin Coburn at McClatchy Studios, and the Herald's Emily Michaud and Matthias Ochner. And thanks to Christine DiMattei at WLRN Studios. For lots more on this story, including a video about the South Florida Drug Task Force, go to MiamiHerald.com slash smoked. To continue supporting this kind of work, consider a digital subscription to the Miami Herald. Visit MiamiHerald.com slash subscribe for more information. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. On part five of Smoked, the end of two eras. So he actually became a classic because he's an IndyCar driver and, oh, look at this. So they could make a big example out of him. Cases were made, but I don't know that we had a profound effect on the problem. 
and that's really what it should have done. You lose your freedom too. Once you cross the threshold of the door into a federal penitentiary, your rights go as well. Imagine living in that kind of tension, and yet you didn't lose your humanity and you could still be a good guy. I had multiple plots throughout my 27 years. You weren't like tunneling out like El Chapo or something, were you? There was a tunnel in one of these prisons. Did they find it? Nope. Might still be there? Yes, so. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.